Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of Unstoppable. My name is Kerwin Ray and I am your host. And today we sit down with spiritual teacher and master healer, Shakti Durga. Shakti has been featured on the world's largest spiritual website, has taught thousands of people, authored five whole books and has developed a very comprehensive, joy-fulfilled spiritual training program. And in this episode with Shakti Durga, she takes me through chakras, manifestation, reaching divine states and gives me a live chakra reading, which I can tell you right now is quite interesting indeed. Are you ready to get Zen? Let's go down. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome Shakti Durga. Did I get that last bit right? Yes, you did. Cultivating superhuman peace. And I've got to say, like when I read your profile, I was like really interested and really intrigued. But for those people who don't know Shakti Durga, tell us a little bit about you. Well, uh, these days I'm a spiritual teacher. But you started out... As a family lawyer, is that right? As a lawyer? I was a lawyer, mainly right. personal injury litigation. A bit so of crime, ambulance chasing. A bit, bit of ambulance chasing. <laughs> uh, I was a barrister, so it was mainly court oh, wow. work. So I was so doing So you were trials. like the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. fantastic. Wig and gown, the whole thing. Oh yeah. my God. So that was that would have taken an, an extenuous amount of study yeah. and application to get Absolutely. to that level. How much yeah. time did you dedicate to academia? Oh, five years at university. And yeah. then there was the bar reading program and a couple of years experience um, in commercial law before I went to the bar and then uh, I loved being a barrister and I did it for 16 years. Wow. And uh, really met a lot of great people and, you know, it's it's a fabulous career. And during that time, I had a couple of children and a couple of marriages, <laughs> <laughs> as you do. As you do. <laughs> this is Australia. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then what do you do now? Well, now I help people find their uh, spiritual connection to find their soul. And I guess what you said about um, being able to find a part of you that you didn't know existed. Yeah, right. That takes you to places you didn't know, you didn't know they existed either. Yeah. You know, it's into this unknown place of uh, bliss, peace, uh, joy, fulfillment. And, um, and I think you're always going to find that to reach that kind of level of consciousness, you're always going to uh, end up looking at places that you may not want to look at. Yeah to get to where you do want to be well, that's because that's is. what's standing between you and it. As Buddha said, the greater the pain, mm. the greater the awakening. And yeah. most of us don't want to look at the stuff that feels yeah. uncomfortable. And yeah. so as a result, we don't even wake up. That's the problem. So we developed this thing called the path of ease and grace. Ease and grace. Yeah, right. Sounds a lot better than pain and struggle, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the path of pain and suffering. The path of pain and suffering. <laughs> but that's really, you know, life uh, is always going to have a bit of that. I don't know anyone in the tens of thousands of people I've met I don't know anyone who hasn't had pain yeah. or struggle or suffering, you know. Mm. It just is part of the gig. And so where where about how do you find ways to deal with that stuff that doesn't drag you down? Mm. So instead of swimming along in the cosmic current and suddenly there's something you, you don't like, it's some kind of calamity, you get betrayed, there's a divorce, a death, whatever, and a lot of people will sink vibrationally like a stone during that because they're so busy blaming someone, feeling aggrieved mm. and feeling angry about the whole thing that they don't uh, appreciate that this could actually be the biggest opportunity and the biggest turning point that they've ever encountered mm. and that you can come through calamity a better person than what you went in. And so what we've done is put together a whole platform of tools, techniques, uh, meditation concepts, um, spiritual blessings and all sorts of sacred stuff that people can utilise practical things that are not very hard to build a bridge across the abyss that they find just opened up underneath them. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
So you help people deal with the suffering. We can't remove well, pain, can we? Like at the end of the day, pain is a constant. And I think Buddha I said think, it great. And I'm getting yeah. all Buddha on your ass right yeah, now. You are. <laughs> uh, he said, uh, life is pain. Suffering is optional. Yeah. And you know that's one of the concepts yeah. I've learned is I think it can sometimes be unrealistic to expect that's to live a it. life void of calamity, void yeah. of chaos. Yeah. Because oftentimes that becomes a, a, a false expectation that can never be fulfilled, which in itself mm. becomes a stressor. It does. And then we're feeling resentful, you know, woe be me, woe be me, woe yeah. Is this happening to me? Instead I thought of like, I was all spiritual oh, and shit. Why does this stuff That's keep happening? That's right, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, having read the lives of many saints and sages and gurus and rishis, because I'm interested in that stuff. Yeah, right. Um, none of them look to me to have had trouble-free lives and none of them look to me to have had lives that having attained some degree of realisation, that meant the end to any challenges. Mm. I think there's um, a belief that once we are connected to our soul, once we're connected to the, the great isness, that we're going to know which direction to turn at every moment and never have anything go wrong ever again. And for me, I just think, well, I think that's a bit naive. Um, I think what happens is that we learn to go so deep inside ourselves that we go beneath that kind of river of pain that Buddha was referring to, to the place that Buddha also found, which is the middle road of, uh, you know, reconciling all these things so that you come to this deep peace inside yourself. And when you find that inner peace, and I know from listening to some of your work and things that you've done, that you've been in that place of that stillness and, and, um, yeah, that there's a place where you can just feel so connected that whatever might be the maelstrom going on in your physical, emotional and mental worlds, you can go into the world of your soul and you do that by accessing your spirit. And so my expertise actually is in the realm of the spirit and the soul. Right. Yeah. So how mm. do you go from 16 years mm. as the barrister? Yeah. <laughs> and then voila, you have this awakening. Yeah. And I'm going to assume there's got to be an event because uh, you was. don't typically go no. in the direction that you've gone based on the trajectory that you're on uh, without some kind of a. And I'm going to, and I've, 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 again, I've looked enough into your story to know where you're at, but I am curious to know, and I hope I haven't been primed with this, but I'm going to assume it was either birth, death, or health. That is close. Okay. It was a, a death of a marriage. Okay, right. So it was a relationship. Divorce, um, yeah, right. Divorce was what it did it for me. And, you know, having been raised a good Catholic girl, I just never expected that I was going to get divorced. That was like an alien concept to yeah. me. I thought it was forever. Mm. And um, whilst I wasn't a practicing Catholic, in fact, in my 20s, my spirituality really involved gin and tonic. <laughs> With odd Who forays into yeah. <laughs> Chardonnay, maybe. Yeah. Um, but that was really it. I wasn't, um, I think if I thought about the stuff that's now my life, I would have thought I was a crazy person, really. You know, I would have not been able to relate to, to me who I am now. Yeah, right. Um, and, uh, but it happened because of uh, the dislocation that happened from that divorce. And one of my colleagues at work said, Fraser, you're a mess. You should do something. You know, why don't you learn to meditate? Because I just couldn't deal with my emotions. I had a two-year-old uh, who still hadn't learnt to sleep through the night. Um, so I was a sole parent and a full-time practicing lawyer. And it was very stressful, so I wasn't sleeping myself either. And so we know sleep deprivation is a form of torture. Yeah. And so I had quite a bit of that going on. And you start to really doubt yourself and I got a bit depressed and it was just hard to look outside the blackness of where my consciousness was going. 
I was still functioning at work. It's funny how you can kind of dissociate from your mm. own situation and still help others in your profession. But yeah, so personally, I was a me- I was a bit of a mess. So I went along and met the meditation teacher that my colleague had been going to, and I met these kind-hearted, um, shiny people who were just so compassionate and they seemed to understand what I was going through and I didn't feel judged. I didn't feel like this was weird. I just thought, okay, I'm going to give this a go. And when I started meditation and it was in the context of a five-week personal development program as well, and so I did that program and I felt that a veil of darkness was just lifted from me and I felt like, oh, my God, I've got hope again. I can I can see that there's going to be a way through this and that I'm not going to have to have this kind of situation for the rest of my life. And it kind of ignited a passion inside me for things metaphysical and spiritual. And it's taken me on a wild journey, you know, over 25 years. Yeah, right. um, Mainly to uh, Asia. So a lot of my spiritual instruction has been with gurus in um, the Philippines, Bali and India. And I've seen amazing things. I've seen miraculous. So you had your eat, pray, love moment. I kind of did. Yeah. I kind of did, yeah. And it was one thing at a time. So after the divorce went through and by then I was functioning a lot better personally and getting some sleep again and meditating twice a day and and just feeling back on top of things again. But then when I sort of finally got into my new home that I'd, you know, the conveyancing was all finished, all that, done the interior decorating and then just my body just collapsed, you know. It's like the aftermath of all the stress, you know. It's like you can be a... A, a warrior while it's all going on, but afterwards you just sort of turn your toes up a little bit. I'm sure some people would experience that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I had bronchitis that was so chronic. I had it for six months. Medicine wouldn't get rid of it. I was so fatigued. It was just this an is awful after time. The meditation. Like, yeah, the, this is what released it. Obviously, yeah. Well, bioenergetically. Uh, yeah. Well, it just didn't seem to get into that part of me. So yeah, whilst okay, right. mentally I felt a lot better, emotionally I thought I was going fine. But just the illness, I couldn't get my body to respond. And then someone, I can't even remember who, said, you should go and try energy healing. And I'm pretty sure I laughed, it being so far out of my paradigm of what was normal and rational, because I was so rational. Um, But anyway, I just decided, what the hell, I'm just going to go and do it. And within a couple of days, my bronchitis was done and dusted. Mm. And they just released stuff that was so deep in my unconscious that my mind had no way of accessing that it was even there. So, um, and I just went, oh my God, that was so amazing. Part of me wanted to forget it had ever happened and just go on with my life. And the other part of me that's the curious part couldn't let it go. And so I found myself going to every kind of learn energy healing class that was on And I just became a machine at, um, you know, going and studying all these modalities and and that's what took me to the Philippines and and eventually to Bali and then to India was my passion for discovering more about the human spirit. Mm. And along that journey, I had a number of um, totally uh, inexplicable experiences of what I now understand to be samadhi, but then I didn't have a language for. So for people who don't know what samadhi is, what would you, how would you describe samadhi? I'd say it's where you pop out of your usual consciousness of the mind and you access the infinite and you understand that you're one with the infinite. So an awakening? It was definitely an awakening and it was an experience of 
Bliss turned up so loud that even ecstasy is a poor word to describe what it was. The closest I could say is I felt like the whole universe was having multiple orgasms and I was one with that and it wouldn't Getting stop. Up. Yeah, I right. know. <laughs> I was thinking this party's probably been going on forever and I didn't so even know So I'm going to assume was Tantra there. was in this journey at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a fan of uh, literal Tantra. The sexual Tantra is such a small element Aspect of, tantra, of it, yeah. But yes, I'm a big fan of the Tantric um, scriptures and traditions and practices. Yeah, they're fabulous. So, so you're a you're a spiritual teacher. Yeah. You're a spiritual healer. Yes. But you made a really distinct point. You said you work with the spirit. Yeah. Is that right? Did I, did I hear that correctly? Yeah, I do. So the part of us that is uh, that holds the life force, it's not just the cells of our body. Mm. We actually have a field of energy that we live within and that's our spirit. And so that has its own anatomy. So we have an aura, which is like an envelope of energy. And we have energy centers, which in, in that tradition are called chakras. Um, and they're, they're my specialty. That's what I understand and have come to know and experience and cultivated the consciousness of those energy centers, which they're kind of like interdimensional doorways. So they'll take you from the physical into the <clears throat> realm of the consciousness of the mind and then beyond that, you can travel into your own soul. Well, and that was so, going to be my next question because <clears throat> when we yeah. look at the distinction or the pathway or the hierarchy, where does the soul and the spirit align? Well, I'd say that the spirit is uh, a limb of the soul in the same way that your hand and your arm are a limb of your body. Hmm. So that your soul is this vast divine countenance but it's almost like a blob of the infinite atma or the, the infinite presence got wrapped up in a whole lot of um, uh, separateness somehow, you know, and call it karma, call it maya. You can use all these terms that mean something to some people and nothing to others, but anyway. And then before we know it, we think we're separate. We think, and then our egoic vehicle gets built. And then from the place of the egoic consciousness, which the mind is an expert at, we experience I'm separate to you. Those people out there are not you, they're not me, you know. But when you go into these states of consciousness that, that I'm cultivating and helping other people to cultivate, you have the experience that it's the one, it's the one is. And if someone's in pain around you, then not attending to that person is like if your leg was in pain and you decided, well, I'm the arm, it doesn't matter what happens to that leg, that leg's inconsequential, mm. you know? So, um, yeah, I guess that's where I'm coming from is it's an experience of growing in unity, literal unity consciousness. And when we're in unity consciousness, we tend to find that we have much more compassion for each other and that judgment seems to be something that we can uh, rise above that we can still have the mental discernment to know that's okay, that's not okay, but we don't have to have the gut-wrenching, vindictive kind of blaming, shaming thing that mm. drags everyone down mm. and which, in my view, cements the, the thing in place. You know, whatever the problem was, it gets cemented in place. It's like uh, super glue judgment in that way. So... And that then keeps us separate from that person. I'm separate and well, I'm more separate now than I ever was. So, And I think it's interesting, like everyone, you know, reaches out to spirituality at mm. different times yep. for different reasons. Yeah. 
Um, you know, we we've, we touched on a few of the reasons already. You know, it's, it's birth, death, yep. um, or you know, in some cases, the the experience of mortality, mm. or even the loss of a relationship in in many yeah. senses. But what do you see? Because you've been doing this now for twenty five years. Yeah. You've been doing this for a long time. You've been yeah. helping people achieve levels of spiritual awakening for you know for a couple of decades. Yeah. What is it that typically brings people to you? Uh, one of two things. One is pain, as you've said, and then the other type of person that I meet are spiritual seekers, people who just want, they know there's more and they don't know how to access it themselves. And that, that's just a particular joy to be able to help those people go, look, look here, you know, this is a, here's a wormhole into the space-time continuum, you know, here's a practice that will support you. This is what you need right now. I can tell because that chakra is not functioning properly. Open that one up and you're going to open into a whole new world, you know, it's mm. that sort of thing. So from the extremely rational person that I was in my earlier years. I think this is what makes you very unique, you know, because <laughs> we had um, Bill Bennett in here last week. Uh, I don't know if you know Bill. I he's, don't think I do. Uh, he's an investigative journalist who worked mm -hmm. on Four Corners, worked side by side Ray Martin and oh, uh, Mike Willisey. Uh, he's produced 16 feature films. He's won 12 AFTAs. Uh, then he had this near-death experience whereby he was driving along the road in New Orleans mm -hmm. And he was speeding up to get to the airport as he was reaching a set of lights. The light was green, but then a little voice in his head said, slow down. He's like, well, no, I'm not going to slow down. I'm going to speed up. I'm running late for the airport. I don't want to miss my flight. And he sped up and then the voice said, no, slow down now. And then he literally just pumped the brakes, slowed down. And then uh, he slowed down just in time mm -hmm. for a semi-truck that ran a red light, went through the red light, right. literally missed his car by inches wow. that if it hit him, it would have completely totaled him. That's a great story. I know, right? And so then he went on this whole discovery of, okay, I'm an investigative journalist. I want to know what the fuck happened. Mm. What what spoke to me? Where did that come from? And he's just released a movie called PGS, uh, Personal Guidance System, which is this exploration around the world mm. talking to neuroscientists and spiritualists mm. um, about intuition and, and its function. And again, this is why I would, I would almost compare you guys into a similar cloth. You know, you've come from a background of you know, being a barrister, which is mm -hmm. all about you know finding the facts and getting to the facts and building a case uh, to strengthen an argument, and then to be thrown into a spiritual uh, aspect, a spiritual mm -hmm. nature. Like you've got to, there must be certain people in your life that just look at who knew you then and know you now. Just went, what the fuck happened? Yeah, that's how, true. How do you rationalize it? Well, or I just is have it not to rational? I, I just have to accept that their world, mm. like the, the paradigm that they're living in, is one I'm familiar with because that's the paradigm that I lived in. Mm. And it's not... Does that give you greater levels of empathy mm. and understanding and it, the it ability does. to accept? It does. I sometimes feel a bit sad that there's now a gulf that I'm really happy to cross. I'd love to go and hang out with those guys, but it's just, I think that they just don't get this at all. Like mm. even this, the term healing freaks <laughs> freaks a lot of people out, you yeah. know? Like, what do you mean? I'm not broken. I don't need a healing. And it's like, well, that's right. So spiritual activation might be a better term. But yes, yeah, sometimes I have uh, some sadness that my journey has taken me uh, into a place where, uh, you know, my reality is so different um, from a lot of people that I used to associate with mm. that it's now like, I think they're a bit worried about <laughs> 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 me. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a lot of stress at the bar. There's a lot of depression at the bar. I'm mm. quite sure I could help them with it, but it's just... And we're talking you know, about it's not just the bar, there's the, there's the bar and then the, the bar. 
<laughs> which is, you know, a lot of yeah. barristers, they will, you know, they will turn to different things because they're dealing exactly. with depression, they're dealing with yes, pain. Yes, a lot of addiction and yeah. those things in any of those sorts of professions where there's a lot of stress and a lot's riding on your everyday uh, work, you know. So I'm, I'm curious. So people come to you either because of, of, of pain or yep. they're a spiritual seeker. Correct. Um, and then they say, look, I'm experiencing this pain or, or I'm on this journey. And, and whether they're a spiritual seeker, because I'm going to know there's going to be people listening right now. Mm. Some are going to be going, oh, geez, fuck, I don't know about this. And others are going to be going, no, I'm on the journey. But yeah. the people going, oh, geez, I'm not sure about this. They're going to be going, well, I do have certain areas of pain in my life that mm. I'm not able to reconcile, mm. regulate or resolve. Yep. And the spiritual seeker, you know, mm. and some of them, that almost is for some people an addiction themselves. And for others, it's just this yearning, this calling. Yeah. Depending on who you're speaking to, like when you sit down with someone, what determines your first course of action? My intuition. Mm. So I try and tune into that person as deeply as I can. And my question is, what can I most help this person with today? Not what's going to be the journey of the next 20 years for this person, but just today, what would be the thing that would alleviate their discomfort the most? So that's when I'm in being a healer. Mm. And I find what happens when I walk into a group of people to teach, so there might be a couple of hundred people in a hall, and, you know, I tune in before I go in there, and what happens is um, it seems as though most people in the room think that whatever I'm teaching about is just for them, that I've just looked at their You've chapters. prepared in advance. You've That's got this it. whole flip yeah. chart you're ready and to go through. And I've been spying on them and um, know what they need. But it's, in fact, the constellation of souls coming together that day. This will benefit pretty much, you know, 90% of the people that are there. This is the thing that will most help them today. So it's just been like sometimes I think, how does that happen? But it's just the, it's the divine working through. And mm. see, I don't think there's anything special about me, I think it's a case of I'm just a real stubborn, ordinary type that doesn't give up and keeps going. You know, I have a lot of tenacity. And when teachers have told me in the past, you need to do this spiritual practice, I do it. Mm. And I'm quite disciplined about those things. And so there's just been such profound shifts in my consciousness. And an example is that, um, you know, I had this experience once where I went and studied with a teacher. And we were learning about the energy centers and he, we did a big meditation. He activated the third eye. And for me, the effect was I could see everybody's chakras as easily as I can see your face. And they were all wobbling out the front and back of the person. And I expected that it would resolve by the time I went to bed that night. But no, the next day I was at court with my wig and gown on sitting in the back of the room, waiting for my case to come on and watching, yeah, right. watching the proceedings. And there was someone in the witness box who was who's had big black flashes coming out of their throat, you know, telling pork pies. Pork pies, yeah, right. <laughs> so, and it was just so fascinating. And then a very gorgeous woman came into the room, one of the solicitors, young woman. She was really, really gorgeous. And all the sex chakras in the room just went and locked onto her sex no chakra. No kidding, yeah. And, you know, it was just so fascinating to see these things that normally are invisible. And, uh, you know, it... It was a very educational week. It took about a week before my consciousness kind of resolved to its normal kind of level. Yeah. Um, at different times, um, the divine has revealed to me realities such as angels, uh, which is, again, something I would have thought was so frou-frou, you know, back in the days. But I've perceived the angelic beings and how they help people. And and um, it's just been such a joy to be able to merge energetically with these energies. And as I say, if I can learn to do this, mm. anyone can learn to do it. You just have to be prepared to do a bit of work. I'm curious mm. to know, can you see my chakras right now? I 
I can if I tune in. Okay. So I haven't been tuned in on that level. What happens is I tune. I, I, it's like turning an old-fashioned TV yep, station turn finder. Yep. Turn the turn them, and I can perceive them. So I can have a look now if you wish me Please, to. Please, like I'm, I'm genuinely <laughs> curious. I was like, let's do a live chakra reading. <laughs> yeah, let's. Yeah. Okay. So um, you have an intensity of spiritual connection in through your um, antakarana, and it's very. Um, the warrior masculine energy thing, but it just feels like to me around that is just it's causing some stress and that there's some benefit to you in um, just that there's just something to adjust in there. Too much warrior. Well, I feel like it's um, there's a thing like Durga's my name and that's warrior. That's the divine mother as warrior. Yeah, right. Um, but her quintessential energy as a warrior is unconditional love. Mm. That's her that's what power. gives her the power as the warrior because she defeats everything through unconditional love. And I just feel like there's just a slight le level change for you in your exploration of unconditional love yeah, right. as you perceive the masculine energy of the warrior and how that could flow throughout your being, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just feel like your empowerment, and when I'm talking about empowerment, I'm talking about your capacity to actually change the consciousness of humanity, not just the people who know you because you're Kerwin Ray and you've got this amazing program and, you know, you're doing awesome stuff, but the people who've never heard of you who get lifted by the strength of the love inside you. Mm. So in Christian parlance, they talk about how Lord Jesus died to um, overcome the sins of the whole of humanity at that time on earth, you know. And for me as a metaphysician, um, the teaching in there is, well, um, positive consciousness is heaps more powerful than negative consciousness. It's as simple as that. So if you've got a million people at negative consciousness and you've got one person whose consciousness is, say, 750, which is like awesomely high, mm -hmm. they can counterbalance that negativity. Mm. And so they can keep more peace in the culture. Do you see what I mean? Yep, absolutely. And so I feel like you're already being a silent warrior for peace and stuff, but I think there's an invitation there right now for you to go to a whole other level Oof. of, can you feel that oh, when yeah, I say it to you? You're going tingly, aren't you? Yep, yeah, that's yep. it. So um, your chakras are delightfully strong on the whole. Your throat chakra is um, crystal clear and um, completely, I feel, being utilised to the best you can and your heart as well. Um, yeah, so all of your chakras are pretty strong. Um, the base chakra is right this moment not showing me the same strength as the other chakras and so we'd be looking at how to go to another level of um, abundance, um, security, uh, family, uh, family connections, how to, how to be the light worker um, 110% in that area, even more than you. I know you're already an, a very empowered man, but I feel like there's a tweak uh, to be made there. And I would see it as an opportunity. Nothing I'm saying is anything no. other than an yeah, opportunity, yeah. you know, for, wow, the next level. How exciting would that be? Well, it's interesting you should say that because two things I'm working on right now, first of all, is, is softening my hard edge. Oh, okay. <laughs> interesting. And yeah. I honestly feel, and I've even said it this year, like I'm back. Because last year, I was, you know, it was a bit of a tough year. A lot of pain right, came okay. up. But I literally felt an invitation yeah. at the end of last year that this yeah. year you can step up to a whole new another level, but you need to get your act together. You need to get clear, you need to get crisp, and you need to refocus what your intentions are. 
Well, maybe we could help each other with that. Who sort knows? Of thing. Who knows? <laughs> but it's interesting because you know I grew up um, with a father who was like one a world leading economist, and right. my mother was a clairvoyant and a psychic, and it's like right. back into that. <laughs> so I have this ability to not only be open to the concepts that you're talking about right now, mm. but like supremely open. Yeah. But I also have this ability to you know analytically search for mm. you know grounded facts in the things that we're talking about. Yeah. And what's interesting is you're talking about chakra systems, and some mm. people are going to go, "Yep, right up my alley," and other people are going, "What the?" Fuck is that? Yeah. And chakras is something that's been investigated and used for thousands of years mm. in certain cultures. Yeah. You know, so this is not something that you know mm. is, is just new or spiritually popular. No. And also chakra readings is an example. You know, it's a form of intuition. Yes. You know, it's a form of being able to pick up on energy, which yeah. has been proven through science to be yeah. what we refer to as entanglement yeah. or this everything is connected kind of concept. Absolutely. Um, whereby our sensory organs are only tuned to a specific level to be able to pick up certain things and certain frequencies. And there's a level of frequency beyond what we can sense and what we can see whereby we don't realize that at a level of sensory perception, you know, we are literally connected. You mm. know, there's no end between my nose and the beginning of yours. That's it's it. just this yeah. connection. It's a field. It is a field of and energy. And so um, one of the things that really interests me is helping people who want to be successful change makers in the world and they feel like they've got a mission, they feel like they've got a purpose, but they keep coming up against roadblocks. So for me, one of the things I love the most is helping people to realise that one of the ways through their impasse is um, keep working on your mind, use all the Western psychological tools that are available because they're awesome, but to understand that your mind exists in a different dimension mm. to your soul and that if you can open to the power of your soul and you do that through your chakra system and you bring the power of your soul from um, the unconscious place where it resides to being um, this like radiant sun, like spiritually speaking, to to blaze like the sun, that you connect then on a sort of, you can imagine a fishing net where every single um, knot is someone else's soul. Mm. And that when you send a pulse from your soul into the cosmos and you connect in that way, you call forth everyone who resonates with that pulse. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You cannot do that with a mind even the most beautiful mind in the world, the reason affirmations and things end up working is because eventually that the strength of your mental focus um, flows through your chakras and your soul answers it. And that's, that's the difference between thinking something profound and having that thing come into physical manifest form. For it to come into physical manifest form, the soul must be moved. You know, for you to change your circumstances, it's like something essential happens in your soul. And that just lights me up to watch people um, go through those transformations, you know. And, That's beautiful. Yeah. So, and I think I asked this question, but I'm curious to know, someone comes to you. Yeah. Did I ask the question, where do we start? Yeah, well, um, I would usually start them off with learning about their energy field. Okay, so the chakras. Yeah. and, and What's out of balance, what's in balance, what needs to be yeah, worked on? Yeah, so I've got this thing called energy healing made easy. Because I wanted it to be, you know, so easy that people yeah. go, oh, my God, I can I can feel this working. And, um, yeah, so we give them an experience of lots of meditations. And also the way we do meditation, we engage your energy field in the meditations. And you know how a lot of people say, I can't meditate because my mind won't shut up and I can't get past my thoughts and it's really frustrating and I'm not going to do it. It's like saying to someone, oh, I went to the gym once and I couldn't lift a weight. It was that's just too it. heavy. Or I tried to lift it once and it really fucking hurt. Yeah. So, well, dude, that's kind of the point. We got some ways yeah. using Shakti and Shakti being the, 
the divine energy to actually just wipe out all those thoughts when people are in a group situation <clears throat> and for them to go, boom, straight into a meditative state and to go, wow, I can do it, you know, and it gives them confidence to then try and we give them practices to do that assist them with their meditation. So how important is meditation in the early stages or in any stage of, of, like of, the, of the spiritual journey? I think it's pretty important. And for me, I define meditation in a fairly broad way. Okay. Uh, and it, to me, it means whatever you're doing that helps you get to that place of peace beyond your mind. So my husband does it with gardening, you know. Yeah, he really does transcend while yeah, he's right. gardening. Okay. Um, and other people do TM, other people do, you know, whatever it is that's your thing, do that. For me, I have that experience when I'm doing healing. Yeah. I have that experience when I'm um, teaching a class. Okay. That I'm in that state of connected consciousness that there's no thought. I'm not thinking, what am I going to say next? I'm not thinking that. It's just like I'm allowing the current to come through and I find it blissful. And again, there's going to be some sticklers out there that go, well, well, that's not meditation, that's mindfulness. And, and again, who are we to define what the fuck things mean at the end of the day anyway? But in your world where you come, is, is there a distinction between mindfulness practice yeah. and actual meditation that involves like a, a level of discipline versus that is beyond just a process of gardening or running or mm. washing the dishes? Well, I think that, um, you know, when we're fully present in whatever we're doing, that's got to be an awesome thing. You know, we've got all of our subtle energies and our physical energies all lining up with each other. The point of power is in that, in the present, you know, mm. that's very good. I guess for me, um, my, my experiences in meditation, which in the early days, like I was just delighted if I fell asleep with a tape running during meditation. I thought, yay, I'm asleep, you know. <laughs> it just was so good to do that. But now it's kind of like, well, I just go into bliss. And I usually use mantra as a means of entering into meditation personally. Yeah. So like um, a TMVM style of meditation? Um, well, it's. I, I guess it could be like that. I okay. use a variety of different mantras yeah. um, from the from the tantras. Um, <clears throat> and I also use um, spiritual ceremonies as a focus point for deeply altered states of consciousness that bring a lot of bliss and clarity. So um, there's just so many things that we can use. And from all the different traditions, you don't have to choose just one. Why not explore what the Vedas have got to offer or what the Kabbalah's got to offer or the Celts? The Celts have got rock and stuff going on. Or what about the Tantras? Mm. You know, what does Tantra really even mean? You know, and answering those questions and, and finding how these things help us in the practical things. How does it make you be a better dad? How does it make you a better lover? How does it make you a better business person? You know, some of the most intuitive people that I personally know are highly successful business people. You know, it's funny you should say that because I've, um, well, I won't say I've always, but it's probably been for at least um, since about 2005, but especially after my stroke, mm. I've, I've started singing the tune that uh, business, but also money is one of the most spiritual substances or spiritual vehicles on the planet. Because first of all, there's no amount of money that you can acquire that will, sorry, there's no amount of poverty that you can acquire that will help you create significant change in the world. Yeah. Um, but also understanding, and it really it really became a lot stronger in 2009 after my stroke, is money is a very spiritual thing um, because it enables us to create. And mm. by spiritual nature, it's very creative, in my opinion anyway. Mm. 
But I've also discovered that spirituality as a concept in business, especially when it's combined with practices that enhance you know, our intuition, it, it in many cases gives you the unfair advantage. You know? And what some people, anyone who's following me for long enough would know, like I'm, I'm very much driven by sense. My senses drive my decisions. You know, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a little bit of rational application to my decision making. Mm. But for the whole, for the most part, a lot of it really just comes down to okay, what feels right right now? Yeah. What what is what am I being guided to do? That's it. And I see it, and I teach this to, to yeah. entrepreneurs as the unfair advantage. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to give you an advantage beyond anything, yeah. beyond any book or beyond any decision making mm-hmm. matrix that you can be given. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know from your perspective, like with with the journeys that you've been on, because you've obviously worked with a lot of very successful people. Yep. You've worked with entrepreneurs, CEOs, yeah. celebrities. Have you noticed that there are certain people that just seem to be tapped into something that enables them to produce, in many cases, what others would classify as impossible or even, that's just magical, like the way that they do that? Yes. And usually you'll find that maybe they don't talk about it, but they have spiritual practices. Mm. Many of them will have a guru, but they don't tell everyone because they think people think they're weird. So there's all these people out there at the moment. Let's be honest, they are, but that's okay. Weird is good. Weird, good. Yeah, (laughs) weird, good. (laughs) (laughs) So... um, yeah, there's people all over the place who are waking up, you know, mm. and it it takes a lot of shakti to break through the mental constructs that tie us down to thinking we're not good enough, that we can't do this, that society says, no, people aren't going to like me, what will people think, you know, all that crap really. And to blast through that is, you know, it requires strength. So I'd say strength is an attribute. Yeah. Um, I would say that uh, wisdom derived through intuition is an attribute. And I would say that the embodiment of wealth is almost a duty so that you can do good things, Mm. you know. And it's not about um, worshipping wealth. It's it's knowing that your capacity to serve is going to be enhanced by having the funds that are needed to do that. And your capacity to serve will essentially enhance your material gain. Of course it will. As long as it's not a focus. Yeah. I was talking about this with Gary Gorey yesterday. Do you know Gary? I do. Okay. Yeah. So Gary, uh, he's he's my teacher. He taught me yeah, he's great. Vedic meditation. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about the concept, <laughs> you know, because in religion they call it tithing. You know, you've yeah, got to give yeah. to receive. Yeah. Um, and in spiritual in, in spiritual context, it's it's the it's the service. Yeah. And because too many people focus on what they want, like they focus on the money, for example, because mm. obviously there's a lot of people listening yeah. to this podcast, entrepreneurs, or people yeah. striving for success. And they focus on the money. And there's a few things that happen. At a psychological level, people who focus on money are eight times more likely to indulge in deceit, deception, or fraud-related behavior, which is interesting, right? Mm. But also at a spiritual level, it almost creates like this blockage whereby if you're focused on money, in many cases, it's the very thing that you don't see because it creates this concept or this uh, cultivation of energy that we often describe as a lack. Right, yeah. Whereas when we focus on the service, which is the abundance of I, I am here to give, I am here to serve, I am here to provide, you know, oftentimes the things that we want of a material nature, they just show up. Yeah. Whether it be the money showing up mm. if we commercialize what we're doing or yeah. the material things manifesting mm. and then us going, oh, that was an interesting, yeah. unfortunate or fortunate coincidence. Yeah. Well, look, you're preaching to the converter here because um, ever since I started Shanti Mission back in 2000, I think, one, um, we've pretty much offered all our programs by donation. Really? And it's because I That's believe legit. I believe in my worth. Yeah. And I believe that I'm worth paying for. Yeah. But if you don't have the money, I want to help you anyway because then you'll get the money. You know, you'll learn. 
And so we've, in Shanti Mission, had a seven-figure salary for years, you know, that the organisation is pulling in large donations because we're really good at what we do, <laughs> you know, and we're always focused on how can we make life better for people? How can, how can this serve you? And, and that's just my life, you know. And I'm a big believer in Lakshmi, you know, the goddess of abundance. Lakshmi, <laughs> Lakshmi. interesting <laughs> word, Lakshmi. Yeah, yeah so right. um, the goddess of abundance, yeah. But interestingly, in the, um, in the Vedic way of looking at the world or the tantric way of looking at the world, Lakshmi, who is all auspiciousness and everything beautiful, the exact opposite of Murphy's Law, you know, everything that you could possibly want comes to you, comes because you serve. And her husband... Vishnu is the perfect man who just serves everybody. He just does what he does, not because he wants everyone to say, hey, you're amazing, but because he truly from his heart has compassion for these people who need stuff. And so he helps them. And then Lakshmi's always with him. So it's the way that people like Mother Teresa, who was just a nun who'd taken a vow of poverty, was able to build countless hospitals and schools and things and pretty much put it on people to um, contribute because she had the, in spiritually, spiritual word for it is clean. So clean is a spiritual power of being able to attract to you what you require. So you can learn to have that. And then she had the ball-tearing negotiation skills. She did. To be able to crunch anyone for yep. either their time or their money. Yeah. You know, one thing that um, people often become very confused about with with me um, is the fact that I use profanity uh, almost on a regular basis. I've gotten a lot better, a lot better, um, especially now that I have a four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you do, you, it, it puts it in a different context where, you, you know, you someone walks up and goes, oh, fuck that, daddy. And it's like, oh, no, okay, we don't swear around the house now. But one of the things that I've also discovered is um, that a lot of people go, oh, I don't expect you to use the word fuck as an example, as someone who's of a spiritual nature. And that's where I think you know, religion and spirituality is oftentimes very confused. Um, but I am curious, and but although on your perspective of profanity in language, and I don't, did you ever see that video by Osho on the uh, word fuck? No. Oh, can you Google it right now? I want to make sure it's Osho. <laughs> but Probably the, is. It sounds like something uh, Osho would it do. It was... Osho, O-S-H-O. Yeah, that's the one. So um, he has this hysterical... And now for those people who are listening to this, like literally go to Google right now, Google Osho, the word fuck, and he does this whole discourse on how fuck is actually quite a spiritual word. So I... And again, and I'm not doing this just for entertainment value. I am seriously, genuinely curious. Like, have you noticed, like, is are there certain words that when you are considered to be spiritual that you just don't use anymore? I think I always try and be, uh, I speak in a way that is going to be heard most mm. easily by the people who are listening. Yeah, that's a good frame. And that's my frame. Right. Yeah. So if an expletive or two is going to open ears, then that's, that's the right language to use. Yeah, right. Um, it's whatever's going to be effective, really, uh, within a moral compass for me, I suppose. <laughs> um, and my, you know, it's just do a you, normal... Do you say the word fuck? It, it has been known to pass my lips. <laughs> it doesn't look, I, I just, after all that time, you know, 20 years as a lawyer. Oh, you know, gosh. You, you, can't, must, you can't allow anything such as that. You can't hear some of that stuff, yeah. No, you can't be, it's hard to be offended. Yeah. Like, how do you get offended when well, uh, the but this things is what's you get interesting. exposed to are much worse well, I find than it that. so interesting that spiritual people get offended. Like, yeah. it's like, I don't think you understand the concept of spirituality, which is the complete and utter acceptance of all yeah. that is. Yeah. The isness, right? Yeah. 
So um, I want to touch on a subject just that I'm curious if you've got any experience on, which is addiction. Like, have yeah. you uh, done any work with your spiritual healing that you've done uh, and with addicts and addiction? I have. I have. I used to be a smoker when I was back in my 20s. Okay. So I've gone through the process of um, addiction myself. And I was a pretty heavy drinker, you know, in those early years of my life. Um, and now I hardly drink, you know. So I've, I've been through... Um, those things personally, but we have a lot of people in Shanti Mission who are dealing with one form of addiction or another. My take on it is that a lot of people who incarnate with a big issue with a, you know, addiction um, are very sensitive souls who find the world to be so harsh that they need to dull it down somehow. And so they turn to a substance, a habit, um, you know, workaholism, whatever it is. A process of substance. Yeah, something. Yep. So that they don't have to feel all the stuff that their spiritual development and their big chakras, because big chakras means big energy, it means big everything. Yeah. Um, and so we teach them how they can deal with all that energy without needing the negative, uh, negative states of addiction. Because I do find um, spirituality interesting because I have spoken to people before who even describe addiction uh, as a spiritual disease, like it's a disease of the spirit. Yeah, I think you could say that. Same as depression, I think, is a different kind of disease of the spirit. And again, for those people who are listening, I, I consider spectrum... Um, Addiction to be a spectrum condition. Yeah, I think there so. are, you know, you've yeah. got from the mild forms yes. of behaviors and habits that, you know, uh, to the moderate that could be obsessive compulsive to the extreme, which is, you know, hard drugs. Uh, but what's interesting is the spiritual concept of craving and aversion, yeah. which is so aligned with mm. the addiction model because obviously, you know, addiction mm. is about aversion, you know, the the desire to not feel yep. pain, not feel certain experiences, and craving the desire to have a substance that makes me feel good. Yeah. And when we look at the spiritual practice, it's all about the dissolution of those experiences. How do yeah. we remove ourselves mm. from the desire? How do we remove ourselves from either the desire to feel a different way or the desire yeah. to have mm. a, a specific thing or the desire to avoid, yeah. you know, a, a particular feeling or avoid a particular situation. Yeah. So in your practice, like, do you do much work like when you are perhaps working with addicts? And again, I classify everyone on the planet as an addict. Right. It just depends on where they fall on the spectrum. Okay, yep. So, and that may not be fair. That's just my perspective. No, I'm hearing you. I'm just trying to, um, yeah, correlate that with yeah. something that I can... Use, uh, yeah. uh, so I feel that everybody keeps their energy in their energy field. From there, it floods into their body and affects their choices. So why not start at the source and get your energy field mm. cleaned out? Mm. And when you do that, you've got a minute to then think, oh, now what do I want to do? So you cut the, there's cords of energy that attach themselves to whatever their go-to thing is. So why not cut those? You know, let's let's give the um, the process of consciousness a chance to recalibrate and to work out a different approach and a different strategy in this situation. And then for different people, they need to approach these things um, in in a different order. Mm. So for some people, the job is to have acceptance of their feelings, and for other people, you can't approach that till way down the track because that's far too scary for them. So you're better off to lift them out of their feeling nature altogether by giving them practices that bring them into their ashna chakra uh, between the eyebrows. This one, which this one doesn't feel emotion. So if you center yourself in there, you can have this kind of stillness experience. <clears throat> And that way you can gather your resources and, you know, get your energy back and recover a little bit and get centred. And then over time we take you back into that 
area so that you can get to know your emotions, which to me are just energy in motion. It's mm-hmm. part of the Adi Shakti. Chemical reaction, yeah. Yeah, but it, it also flows into us through our sacral chakra, you know, from the from the universe. The, the emotional tides are flowing into us all the time. Mm. And, you know, you might suddenly feel horrible and it's not actually because of anything that's happened in your life. It's because there's a tide, you know, just like the wind blows the air from the outback and it's hot, you know, and we breathe that in. It hasn't come from right here. It's come from somewhere else. And uh, energy is like that. It doesn't, it's not just contained within our own skin. It floats around and we're in that sea of Mm. consciousness all the time. And so we help people to be able to regulate the flow of their um, emotional energies and to understand it. Don't put a box around it when you're feeling emotional. It's like you grab a whole bunch of, I feel like crap, and you put it in a Tupperware container. And then you bury it inside your body or inside your energy field. And then you wonder why you can't let go of that mm. feeling. Well, it's because you've put it in a thought, you know, and the thought's like the Tupperware container. So we peel all the lids off all those Tupperware containers and let that energy float away. So you, so it's like closing the windows on your computer down, down until it's just the operating system. Mm. You've just got your soul, your spirit, and you can go, ah, what am I going to build from here? And you just go forward building you the way you want to build you. And this is a process that takes some time. You know, it's, it's a few years, this, this approach that I'm talking about. But really anything that's valuable is going to it's take going a to time, take time investment, isn't it? You know? And again, we keep talking about the microwave mindset. Mm. You know, everyone wants things in 60 seconds. That's right. You know, yeah. in, Insta gratification. Yeah. But you did use a really key word there that, that I think really comes back to. Um, not only spiritual nature, but the spiritual practice, which is the ability to regulate what's coming through mm. us. Uh, and oftentimes when we don't have the ability mm. to regulate what's coming through us, that's mm. when perhaps you know it, it gets expressed in, in unhealthy oh ways. Oh my God, yes. Well, I had this lady I met um, last time I was in the States. I was in um, Connecticut and I had this lady and she was like a lady in a bubble. She just had so many allergies that she could hardly eat in a restaurant, you know, and she had a two-year-old child she's trying to manage and she's just... sick half the time and has to carry an EpiPen everywhere and has anaphylaxis and all this sort of stuff going on regularly. And when I looked at her clairvoyantly, I could just see that she had been a psychic sponge picking up everybody's problems from childhood. She'd been the one that people would go and tell all their problems to and they'd walk away feeling fabulous and she'd be wearing it. She had no spiritual education. She had no idea how to get rid of that. And so I I taught her in one session, I taught her how to let go of all that stuff to wring out the psychic sponge and to let people's stuff go. And she never had another episode of anaphylaxis. And this is now a year, it's been a full year where she used to have them weekly. Mm. Um, She doesn't have hives. She doesn't have any of her allergies anymore. And because she now practices every day, a simple technique that would take, you know, less than five minutes. And she does that every day. And it helps her to um, not take on other people's energy and if she does, to release it again. So that's how much difference in a practical sense it can mean to your health and well-being, you know, because we are, we're all absorbing each other's energy and giving energy all the time. And for some people we're around, it feels fabulous and uplifting and they're the people we want to be around. Mm. And other people drain our energy and, I mean, you know that, I don't have to tell you that, but... There are people in our life who are like vampires, aren't there? They just Oxygen suck your runners. energy. Yeah, no, we've all, yeah. we've all got them. So look, I, I'm going to assume that there are probably people in different parts of their journey that are mm. listening to this 
if someone's at the beginning of their journey mm-hmm. and then perhaps just having an awakening of sorts, yeah. whether that be through some form of pain or just that earn a yearning of, I just, you know, that I call it the Morpheus moment or the Neo mm-hmm. moment where you're like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. I get a sense there's a bigger picture going on here mm-hmm. and I'm fucking clueless, but I'm seeing all these little signs showing up. Yeah. If someone was wanting to start the journey, like what's your, what's the best piece of advice you could give to someone? I think um, get some of the good quality books that are around the place and get some mental coat hangers so that you can then, um, you can actually make use of the spiritual concepts. And then, you know, it helps to find someone who you relate to who's been through stuff like you've been through and who can help you to the next stage. So mm. I find that, you know, having a mentor, a guide, a tutor, and at the end of the day, that's what a guru is. It's someone who uh, can spiritually coach, yeah. coach you. Um, find someone who you feel good with and let them um, show you some stuff and augment it with your own reading and meditation. That's what how I would advise people to start. Yeah, and I'm big on the meditation. You know, mm. One of the greatest performance hacks that I've found um, for the mind, for the body, yeah. for energy is meditation. Yeah. Like It really is incredible. Well, it lifts you out of how you thought things were going to be and it can lead to vast inspiration, can't mm. it? You, know? you get really clear about what it is that has to happen next. Yeah, and it also has this incredible biochemical neurological yeah. effect that heals the brain, it mm. heals the body, mm. you know, releases stress uh, and it's it's an incredible, you know, it, cre- it creates in itself its own mm spiritual high of sorts yeah. that um, I guess in some ways for some people can become addictive but then you know then you've got to understand the catch-22 that which we try and hold on will escape us so this has been an incredible interview I think we need to get you back for another another conversation no I know we need to get you back for another <laughs> conversation but for someone who wants to find out more about you you know you've got books you've got yeah. CDs like uh, what have you got and where can we find it uh, books CDs seminars yep. we've got an ashram in the southern highlands near Barrel at Canyon Lee yeah right and we've got an ashram um, in Kurrenbong, which is near Lake Macquarie, just an hour an hour north of Sydney. So, and they're both gorgeous locations, you know. So they can come and study there. Satsang on a Sunday's good. That's basically meditation with music. Yeah, it's like we sat and we sang. That's kind of like right, satsang. I like that. It's very literal. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So <laughs> there's those things. Uh, the books and CDs are all on my website, shaktidurga.com. And the organisation that I started is shantimission.org, which now operates in, I don't know, about six or seven different countries. Wow. And, um, yeah, so we're we're developing a world community like you are, really, of uh, people who are interested in truth and interested in in making the world a better place. And so that's your mission. Yeah. Truth and making the world a better place and peace. Mm. Does peace exist? Only inside, Mm. deep down. If you're looking for it in the world, I think you're going to be looking for a long time. But do we need conflict internally and externally in order to know peace? Like, is there a well, duality? I think that that's um, what, yeah, well, the dimension of our mind and body exist in places where duality is the reality of consciousness. Mm. But when we go into the soul, there is no duality. There's only unity and it's another reason to Ooh, explore it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's where you heal duality consciousness because you, you come into the isness um, and it's a whole different Look, yeah. <laughs> a little different look and feel. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Yeah, but yeah, so shanimission.org has got lots about, we've got four main pathways. So we do spiritual music, which I love. I play the harp, I sing. Really? Yeah. You're an angel. <laughs> You're an angel. And uh, we have a band, a pretty smoking band, I've got to say. <laughs> um, and we play a lot of get up and dance kind of music. Is it um, Shakti and the Shakers? Or? It's pretty much like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, and then we have... Um, we do ceremonies. So we do a lot of devotional ceremonies, particularly 
um, in the Vedic way. So fire ceremonies and water ceremonies and full moon ceremonies and all that oh, sort of beautiful. stuff. Because they're things that help people go beyond the mind as well. And they're fun and they're colourful and they're musical and, yeah, it's great. Fantastic. Yeah. Before you wrap it up, did you want to look at the chart? Oh, the chart. We have a chart. Yeah, show me the chart. Oh, this. Oh, yeah, gosh. Golly, gosh. So, so this is, um, where would I put this? Put it over here. I'll, I'll hold it. Okay. Okay. I like your little man there. Um, yes, yeah, so this is how I think each person is. Each person is a V diagram. So yeah, for right. me, um, most of the time we get all locked up in being this physical person here yeah. and we forget that we have all this other stuff or we may never have been told about it. Uh, the etheric body is your energy field. So that's your energy centres and your aura. Uh, and then your astral body is your mind, but both the conscious and unconscious part of the mind. Mm -hmm. And also everyone else's thoughts that float through your head that you think are yours, but they're not really. Okay. It's your mum's thought or it's your girlfriend's thought yep. or it's someone else's, you know, because we're very watery in that area. Yeah. We. We share thoughts a lot. So there's, and these these two dimensions, there's duality. So there's big and small, there's happy and sad. There's, they are la lands of duality. But through the etheric body, which is our energy field, we it's kind of like you can go up periscope and you can go through that to the realm of the soul. And that's where there's no duality and there's no duality up here either. So the divine is in every soul. And the soul we find through our heart. You know, the heart is the lock on the door to the key uh, the to the soul. Yeah. And so uh, we teach people a lot about the 18-inch the journey between the head and the heart being yeah, the right. longest journey for some people that they ever make. Oh, that's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Have you heard of, you've obviously heard of heart math, neurocardiology? Yes, absolutely fabulous. Isn't it interesting? Like, yeah, and again, I've really said this good. a few times, you know, the heart yeah. sends 16 times more information to the brain, the brain sends the heart. That's right. You know, it has 100,000 times the electrical charge of any other organ in the body. The only yes. organ that has sufficient electrical charge to imprint information on its environment. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, and so and to be able to find that, yeah. you have to get through this. Yeah, right. And so that's what my work's about. It's about how do you utilise this etheric body, make it big and strong. You know, I want people with chakras that are like, Arnold Schwarzenegger style chakras, yeah, right. you know, big, strong, you know, uh, set of chakras. And then they can take on the world because they got the strength through their energy field to be able to do it. Shakti Durga, it has been an honour and a pleasure to have you on here. <laughs> Namaste, my girl. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's good to meet you. There you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Unstoppable with me, your host, Kerwin Ray. And do me a favour, don't forget to drop me a review on iTunes. Would love to hear what you think. I love reading what you guys have to say and your reviews. Make sure we keep creating killer content just like this. If you want to stay up to date with me and all my movements, please jump onto the website, kerwinray.com. And also check us out on social media at Kerwin Ray. 